From WDBM East Lansing, this is The Undercurrent, a bi-weekly news feature show produced by students at Michigan State University, showcasing our own student stories. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to The Undercurrent. You are listening to Season 14, Episode 11, and I'm your host, Claire Baccarella. Today on The Undercurrent, we'll be welcoming an MSU alum who has found success as a Hollywood actor. You may have seen him in shows like NCIS, The Big Bang Theory, or Jane the Virgin, but today he's guest starring on The Undercurrent. Please join me in welcoming Jeff Witzke. Hi, Yay. Jeff. Thanks for being here. Thank you, How are you Claire. Doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for uh, asking me to be a part of this amazing thing. Yeah, of course. So first, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Sure. Um, I uh, am from Gross Point, Michigan, um, born and raised. And uh, I I ended up at Michigan State University through a whole thing we'll probably get into. But I graduated in 1992. That's right after they uh, discovered electricity. So, uh, yeah, I feel very old and ancient, but um, I, uh, your listeners can't can't see, but I've got some gray in my beard, which means I have wisdom and I soon will become a wizard. So uh, that is that life goals. Hashtag life goals. Um, anything else you want to know before I get into my very interesting story about Michigan State and then moving out to California? No, no. Go ahead and tell that story. We're all eager to hear it. Okay. Uh, I graduated from high school and I went to DePaul University's theater school for my freshman year uh, to study acting and be in their acting program for many, many reasons that I won't get into on a on a podcast or a radio show or something that might get back to them. Uh, I left that school. Um, it really wasn't serving me and um, what I wanted. Um, the school was fine. It just, I wasn't aligning with it. But I had been accepted to the University of Michigan and to Michigan State University. And so they were my backups. And um, for my sophomore year, I decided where I was going to go. And I ended up with Michigan State University because many reasons. My aunt went there many years ago. My sister was currently going there for a blip. My family had moved to o Okemos between uh, for third and fourth grade. I lived in Okemos, not far from the campus. So it just felt like home. And so to pop back up to East Lansing, it just felt like home. And I said, oh, I'm going to state. There's no question about it. So that's how I ended up at Michigan State University. So tell me about your journey as an actor. I know you said something about packing up and going to Hollywood. Tell us about that. Yeah. Okay. So once at Michigan State University, um, I decided I was going to put acting on the back burner because the little voice in the back of my head that sounds a lot like my father uh, kept saying, how are you going to get a job? How are you going to get a job? How are you going to get a job? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to state. I'm going to, I was uh, a communications major. Uh, at the Comarts School. And I was like, I'm going to graduate and have skills to be able to get out into the workforce. And then two weeks into classes at Michigan State, a guy came in and said, hey, we're having auditions for this thing called The Show. And it was a multicam sitcom in front of a live studio audience that was run, written, acted, everything by students. And I said, now that seems interesting to me. And they had just created it the year before in 1988. So this is 1989. And so I joined the second season of the show. And I'm very proud to say that 
it is still running to this day. MSU Telecasters has kept it alive, and it is the longest-running college sitcom in the country. So I was uh, part of the uh, I was friends with the the folks who created it, and I helped came in and gave it gave it you know a surge of my energy, and I fell in love with it, and uh, it changed my life. I always like to tell MSU students and anyone who'll listen uh, that that doing the show taught me more than. <laughs> don't tell the university, but more than any class I took, because it really was a bunch of kids going, how do we create something? And we had an advisor at the time, but he really didn't tell us what to do. He just made sure we didn't break things. And it really was trial by fire. And we learned how to, to write and perform and shoot a sitcom and all from, cause we all grew up watching them. So we just took everything we knew and, and tried and we failed and we succeeded. Uh, I think by the time I left, we had won some kind of an award. So um, I'll take full credit for that award. Cause no one here can dispute that. No, uh, a lot of hard people, uh, a lot of hard work went into it from a lot of people. So that is, that inspired me at Michigan State to keep acting and performing. And then I did a couple of the 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 musicals in the spring that the theater department put together because I just couldn't get the acting bug out of me. And I love theater and stage. So I was a very busy boy at Michigan State. I was doing this TV show. I was taking classes. Uh, I was in a fraternity. I uh, and then was doing musicals. So. um. Yes, to really get to my journey to California. So um, I'll go into this story. Um, while writing the show, my writing partner and, and co-star on the show, Steve Van Warmer, and I had seen a, a notice posted in uh, right outside of Studio E uh, there in the Com Arts uh, building. And it was on a bulletin board. And it said, hey, if you've written a sitcom, submit it. Where uh, Warner Brothers is holding a sitcom writing workshop in Chicago and inviting people to submit their script. So we took our most current episode of the show and we submitted that and said, who knows what'll happen with that? Turns out we, what we didn't realize is people were sending in spec scripts. And at the time they were sending in scripts from the Cosby show and Roseanne and Cheers and all these, you know, current sitcoms. Cause at the time that's what you did to prove your writing is you wrote uh, a spec episode of one of an existing show. We were just silly college kids. So we sent a script of our college TV show in. And I guess it it stood out enough that they read it, found it funny. And we got invited to Chicago for a week. And we, we, we met the guy who created the sitcom Night Court, which they've just rebooted on NBC. The guy who originally originated the one in the 80s led this week long workshop on how to write sitcoms. And we just were like, that's it. We're done. We are we are graduating and we're moving to Los Angeles and we're going to become sitcom writers. Well, we were both actors as well. But I always tell people I did not have the uh, chutzpah or courage to move out to LA to become an actor because that was the one thing you just heard. That's what people did. They moved out there and they failed. And I'm like, but I'm going to move to LA to be a sitcom writer. And who does that? So seven days after graduating, uh, we packed up, Steve and I packed up a, a U-Haul in which we drove one car and towed the other and drove across the country to Los Angeles, where we had a friend from MSU Telecasters, from the show, who had moved out a few months earlier, who found us an apartment. Uh, and so that started my journey to become an actor here in Los Angeles. Uh, 
because of course, much like my move to Michigan State University, I couldn't just give up acting. Yes, we did some writing and and I can get into that a little later, what what, what happened with our, our writing career. But um, I got involved with local theater and got into, into plays and just kept my passion for acting going. And, and I just couldn't give that up because the theater bug bit me when I was young and and I was like, this is really what I want to do. So can you get into that a little bit more, what initially ignited your passion for acting and what inspired you to pursue that as a career? Yeah, sure. Um, I, my mom would tell you that it started at the age of four, uh, that I became a ham and loved the attention of some of their dinner parties. And I always used to ham it up and get laughs. And And she knew from a very early age that I that I enjoyed performing, but I was a really, really shy kid. So I never went out for that, did anything until I met my best friend in high, high school. Well, my best friend from high school, we met in sixth grade. So we've been best friends in sixth grade and he was really creative. And we started writing little sketches for our class to do. And we, we, we wrote a, and directed like a little class movie that we videotaped with our, our classmates that our teacher said, sure, that's a good project. And so then it just like we it just kind of bit me. And then so our sophomore year of high school, we both said, let's let's audition for the school play. And it was so frightening. And um, I got in. He did not. Um, but don't worry, guys. Next play he got in and we were in the, all the plays together the rest of high school. But that's where I really learned that I had so much fun. I really enjoyed taking on a character and just um, playing and exploring. And um, and I learned not only did I have fun, but people then told me I was kind of good at it. So uh, that little bit of combo that we had, a, my high school had a really fantastic performing arts program. The, the theater department was great. The plays were great. The choir was great. Our musicals were great. Uh, our uh, band and orchestra was great. So, uh, so that really leaned me into, oh, I like this. And more importantly, people tell me I'm good at it. And let's be honest, we, we rarely stick with things that people say you're not good at. So that just filled my confidence and my sense of play and my passion for like, this is fun. So many actors have unique stories about their first break in the industry. Could you share your breakthrough moment as an actor and how it felt to land like a really important role that you really wanted? Is there a role that sticks out to you? So I will tell you my very, so the very first television role that I got paid to do was a, it was a syndicated late night soap opera called Valley of the Dolls based on the book and the cult movie Valley of the Dolls. And I got the role because uh, I was working as uh, an assistant, which we'll get into it maybe in a little bit of survival jobs here in Los Angeles. But uh, for my first seven years, I worked uh, as an assistant uh, at uh, in advertising sales for a kid's magazine at the Walt Disney Company. It was called Disney Adventure. So I had a full-time job for my first seven years. And my boss at the time, one of my bosses, I had two bosses, her husband was a singer, dancer, performer, stage actor, and he had been hired to choreograph this thing on Valley of the Dolls. And they said, we need an actor to play an apple. 
a singing and dancing apple. Do you know anyone? And he asked her and she said, Jeff. And so I auditioned and I became a singing and dancing apple on Valley of the Dolls. And I somewhere still have a copy of, of my very first check. And I was paid to sing a silly song about fruits and veggies while wearing an apple costume. And I think that is the perfect way to break into the entertainment industry. Um, and from there, you know, I've been really lucky uh, and blessed that I've worked on some really cool projects. People have asked like, what's your favorite thing? And it's so hard because I've done cool voiceover stuff. I got to voice a character on Family Guy, which was freaking amazing. Um, I've, I've got to work in multicam sitcom with Julie Louis Dreyfus on a show called the, the new adventures of old Christine and had an amazing role on that. And that's in front of a live studio audience. And that's so cool. And, um, here comes the part where I name drop. Um, but I've also had a chance to work with George Clooney and Kate Winslet and Aaron Eckhart and Hugh Jackman. And I've got to be in feature films with them, which is but I tell anyone, especially MSU folks, um, and I just—I was just back on campus uh, a couple weeks ago and spoke to a class. And so, if anyone from that class is listening, you're going to hear the same story. But I don't drop those names to be like, "Oh, aren't I cool that I had lunch with George Clooney on set?" Um, I say that because I pinch myself that I'm just a kid from Gross Point, Michigan, who went to Michigan State. Who, when when I was sitting there. In February, walking from Brody Hall all the way over to Hubbard, wondering why, why is it so cold? Will I ever get out of this? That I'm still that kid who's like, am I talking to Hugh Jackman right now? I'm talking to Hugh Jackman about acting on the set of a feature film. That's the coolest thing in the world to me. So there's that little kid still in me that just thinks that's cool. And... What I say to students is it's possible. I wasn't sure if it was possible um, when I was taking classes at Michigan State. It was a dream, but no one I personally know knew had done that journey. And so that's why I love to talk to any MSU students and, and try to encourage them uh, because dreams do come true. And, you know, I'll knock on some form of wood that is my desk to say for the past 20 something years, I've made a living in Los Angeles, acting and writing. And I I personally am very proud of that. And I think that's kind of cool. Does that help at all? Does that answer your question? Or is this just me pontificating talking? Because I am my own favorite subject. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That definitely answers my question. Um, but I wanted to ask, um, are there any particular actors or actresses who have inspired your career or whose work you admire and how have they influenced your approach to acting? Ooh, that's a good one. I haven't thought about in a while. Well, I always said, someone early on said, whose career would you you like to emulate? And I've always said, oh, Tom Hanks, that'd be great. Because he started off on a sitcom called Bosom Buddies, which was great, but short-lived. And then he did some fun, silly movies. And then he got, then he made some amazing, serious movies. And now he's like everyone's favorite peep, per, actor, including he's Woody in Toy Story. So to have that kind of encompassing career would be fantastic. Um, and he's a nice guy from what I understand. So I, I, I've, um, so I heard a story about him when I was young. 
uh, an actor named Scott Bakula. I don't know if anyone knows him. He was in the original Quantum Leap, and he think he was the captain in Star Trek Enterprise. He's a great actor. Um, and there was one other actor, I'm forgetting who it was, that I'd heard stories that they weren't they weren't only good actors, they were good people. And everyone really enjoyed working with them in the collaborative experience. And then you hear the stories about the people who maybe aren't in the best place in their life and they're a little harder to work with and all that stuff. And I just always said, I, I don't want to be that. I want I want to be that. And and um I did a charity event uh a couple uh years ago that I helped just be in the background, organize their celebrities that came and went, and I was just helping them come and go. And Brian Cranston came in. And I I thought it was so cool. He personally went around and introduced himself to everybody, including me, who was just like there to hold the door. And I just went, that's the kind of actor I want to be. I want to be a person who enjoys people. And so um, I don't know if there's one person that I've said that that inspires me, but it's kind of, I think over my years here, just watching other people work and 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 seeing what I want to emulate. Because I will say, um, one of the cool things about working with George Clooney was how inclusive he was to everyone around him. And there's other celebrities who have other things that they're just a little quieter people. George is a little more outgoing as a person, but he certainly made you feel like you were part of, of whatever circle he was in. And I was like, gosh, that just... That makes me feel better as a person and that made my work better. And I was like, oh, I like that. I want to emulate that. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's kind of what the response that came to mind. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about some of your favorite roles you've ever played or your favorite projects that you look back on and think, wow, like that was the coolest thing. Well, again, I'm going to say, uh, of all the names I dropped that to be able to work on, on feature films uh, with these people. And um, one of the reasons I, I got to work with these people is I uh, very early on uh, helped a friend out who was making a short film. And he said, would you, I just, I need someone in the background as man at bar. And then I need someone to play a dead body as a cadaver. Will you do that? And I said, absolutely. And then he wrote me a part in his, next short film that I was the lead of and I was the lead of his next short film and then his next short film and um that was the director Jason Reitman who has gone on to do Thank You for Smoking Juno Up in the Air he just directed the reboot of the Ghostbusters franchise that his father created um and we have remained very good friends and he said Jeff Witzke you're going to be in every movie I ever make and I said Jason Reitman I'm going to hold you to that because you said that next to your mother and so that's the unbreakable vow and for the most part there are certain times timing didn't work out I've been a part of almost every uh one of his feature films and that's how I got to work with George Clooney and Vera Farmiga and all of these people I got to meet them in Kate Winslet and so one of the very cool things that I do is I come a little early and I stay a little late and I just sit and watch these actors work and so one of the coolest things is to just be sitting and watching Kate Winslet do her thing on a movie called Labor Day um she was just amazing so that to me is like a cool project to be a part of um of what I have done, 
Uh, I will say I had the opportunity because Jason directed an episode of The Office and he texted me and said, hey, do you want to be on The Office? And I said, yes. Uh, and so I was in an episode called Local Ad where uh, they make an ad for Dunder Mifflin. And um, I am in the commercial that their corporate office makes that makes Michael Scott then go make his own commercial. And I will say, Everyone's like, oh, my God, did you get to work with everyone on The Office? I'm like, no, actually, it was just me, another guy and the entire crew from The Office, like the the DP and the grips and the everything. So it was just me and the and the office crew shooting this commercial. And I'm like, that was kind of cool to be like, here's the entire crew of The Office working with me. Um, That was very cool. Um. I just, I just, I have to admit, like, whether it's Jane the Virgin or even Henry Danger, I got to do two episodes of Henry Danger. Like, I just love the challenge of a new set, a new thing. I, I got to admit, I just love to work. I, I was telling someone recently, um, I just love to be on set. Like, that just, there's, there's a happy place that, that it's my, like, ooh, I get to do what I get to do. Um, and sure, like, sometimes I had a friend just say, hey, I saw you on Superstore. Like, yeah, I said it, my bit was longer. It got cut down to just two words at the end, but I got to play on the set of Superstore, which is a fun show with amazing people. And, and I do pinch myself when I get to do a cool project that, that, you know, that I'm blessed to look at my resume and go, gosh, I've worked on, I've, I've worked on some cool shows, Bones and you know, even even some of the ones that just weren't hits were still fun to work on, you know. So. Um, and then I will tell you my favorite story of all. Uh, in voiceover is, as I uh, alluded to this earlier, I got to do the voice of uh, on the family guy. And it's it's an episode where. Um, they time travel back to Nazi Germany, and so I get to play a German soldier. And they do this whole homage to uh, Back to the Future 2, where the, the Nazis are chasing Stewie and, and Mort through through whatever. And we end up crashing into a manure uh, cart and my character's head pops out. And at the time, I I probably I won't say this, but I said a swear word in German that the censors came back and said. Uh, saying the S word in, in German is still a swear word and, and we can't put that out on television. So they had to pay me to come back to do another line, which is my favorite line of dialogue I've ever had to ever record. And I will now freely do for you. Um, I got paid money to just go into the booth and say, das poop. And that, and, and I called my dad who was like, how are you going to get a job? How are you going to get a job? And I was like, dad, they just paid me $700 to say two words in German. I think I'm doing fine. So um, that's that. Das Poop is, is perhaps the best thing I've ever had to record. Can you share any upcoming projects or roles that you're excited about? Any personal goals that you have with your acting career? I know, um, maybe share a little bit about any passion projects you're involved with, I and tell us about Fundom because I know that that's something that you're involved with, and we'd love to hear more about that. Yes, 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 yes. So at the moment, as we record this today, 
in the beginning of October, uh, the actors are still on strike with the uh, uh, Writers Guild and the uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA have been on strike. Um, so there's not a lot of work going on. Now, the great thing is they have come to an agreement with the writers, which means hopefully there'll be an agreement for the actors and we'll get back up and going. But it has been about five months of nothing going on in Los Angeles, which can get a little um, tense. And, you know, this uh, when I was back in Michigan, the auto workers had just gone on strike. So I know a lot of people can understand the strife and and frustration that comes with fighting for a fail, fair deal and, and wanting to get back to work. But you have to do what you have to do to do that. But that's not what this podcast is about. But point is there hasn't been a lot going on so i've <laughs> i have not much happening but you speak of fundome and fundome is a couple of friends of mine that i've known for 15 years from from acting class we just like to get creative and again this comes back to to that uh, impulse i had with my friend back in sixth grade that turned into the impulse of doing the show at michigan state is i'm a creative being and so i like to do so we come up with silly little videos that we just try to spend as little money as we can and just put them up and we, we put them out there for a while we were one of the sanctioned funnier die content creators so uh we, we've done some parody shorts we did some silly little shorts um uh you know we did one called the sixth degree of covid bacon and it was all about you know whether kevin bacon had covid or not because you know at a certain point, we had to laugh at COVID. It's not funny, but we had to laugh at our experiences. And um, and so we just come up with uh, silly ideas. And so we get together. And and now the beauty um, of technology is we can create this stuff with our phones. The cameras on our phones are so good that, that I look back even to my Michigan State days when we had to sign out this giant camera with the batteries. And we were editing on three-quarter inch tape. Um, that, yeah, that uh, technology has made it easier to create your own stuff, uh, which I highly encourage anyone to do. Anyone who's looking to come to Los Angeles, just do use the resources at college, use the resources you have in your pocket. Um, do, I always say do for the sake of doing, don't do to become a TikTok star. Although anyone at Michigan state probably has more of a chance of becoming a TikTok star than I do. But but just create because it it satisfies you as an artist, but you never know where it's going to go or what it's going to lead to or what friends you're going to make. Like, again, these friends I'm making these videos with, we were in acting class together 15 years ago. We didn't think in 15 years we'd be uh, uh, making these fun little things, but it's, you know, I'm proud of we have some creativity and we get it done and we do it. And we put it out there. Do we have a million followers? Not at all. But um but we like to just put stuff out there. Uh, the other thing I'm working on right now is um, uh, a fun little project. As a friend of mine is a film composer and TV composer. He composes, you know, he composed uh, some of the music for Superstore and uh, the orchestrations for Juno. I, I've known him for, for, for many years. Um, he had an idea for a feature film based on he writes a symphony every year to benefit Children's Hospital of Seattle, where he grew up, and it is a huge fundraiser. That's right. He writes a symphony every year. So take a moment and think about what do you do on a yearly basis? He writes a symphony. Anyway, one of these symphonies he wrote had a story. 
And a friend said to him, you need to make that into a movie. So over the pandemic, he started writing it as a movie and he hit a, a roadblock and he, he, he was stuck and, and I was talking to him and I said, well, do you want help? I'll, I'll give you my, my thoughts. And uh, he said, sure. And I read it and I said, oh my gosh, this is so good, but I have so many ideas. And since nothing was going on during the pandemic, we rewrote this movie uh, together. Now, there might be a certain character that I could play um, as writing. It was written with my voice. And so the hope is, cross fingers, we never know. Look, I've been in Los Angeles to know it. There are movies that studios are ready to go forward with that that don't happen. Uh, but he's going to direct it. We've written it. We're, we're, we're doing some rewrites. we got a producer aboard. We have some financing. So there's a good chance next year we might be shooting this independent feature Um uh, and I'll leave it at that until there's more information. But yeah, so as you can tell, I'm I, I, I've been I just try to stay busy and creative as much as possible. Whether I'm making my own projects or or involved in somebody else's, I uh, I like to stay creative and use my superpowers for good. Can you just touch a, a little bit more about your experiences with the SAG after strike and why is that strike so important? Absolutely. Um, the uh i don't even know where to begin uh so to put it very bluntly i will tell you what a friend told me he said what we are fighting for is whether we have careers or acting becomes a hobby and that's kind of the status of of where we are i being out here now over 30 years oh wow yes i've been out in los angeles over 30 years i've seen a lot of trends in the business but one of the more frightening trends is um, that not just actors, not just writers, my friends who are casting directors and my friend who's a composer and people who are costume designers and all this stuff, every department is getting squeezed. They want it. They want to make amazing things for less money, which is great business sense. But what's kind of happened over the several years is um, I heard an expert say the studios used to be run by people who understood the artists that were working for them. And part of the great thing about large corporations taking over, there's more money at, at, at the studio's disposal. The bad part is it it's more about profits and 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 all of and they want to squeeze every department. So what's what's kind of hap happened with actors is we have been not paid as much uh, as as we used to do because the whole payment structure was kind of based on back when there were three networks and then shows went into syndication, which is when you would see Seinfeld on at eleven o'clock right before the the news or or uh, I don't know Big Bang Theory on at five thirty like those shows were syndicated around the country and that's kind of how actors made a living in between gigs as you'd get those residuals. The biggest thing that they're talking about is. Now that things are streaming and that's the way that we watch things, there is not um, there's not a revenue sharing for uh, actors in un, in that scenario. And so we're fighting to eat in between jobs and um, the studios are making a lot of money off of that. So that is something that was happening to the writers and it was happening to us actors. And it was decided we needed to stop and retool how people get paid. The other big thing uh, that both are talking about is AI. And that's that's definitely uh, something that can 
it's hard for people to think about because it's not to the point of where it can be used as well as people think it, it, it will be. So it's hard to get people to lock down agreements about it, but it's definitely the future as well. It's going to be a tool that's going to be used. And as far as actors are concerned, what they're talking about is someone might just take someone's likeness and their voice and just create a character and put them into a movie without their permission. And that's that's kind of scary for an actor to be like, wait, I, you know, there's certain actors who won't who won't do a commercial for a product because they don't believe in that. Right. Or maybe they're vegan and they don't want to do a meat commercial. Right. They're allowed to do that. AI is coming to be like, oh, well, we own we own your voice and your face. So we're just going to put you in a in a commercial for meat. And then you're like, wait a minute, that's kind of not cool because our our tools are our our bodies and our voices and our faces and our performances. Like that's, that's our, that's the magic we bring to the process. And we just look for a little bit of respect of our artistry. And, and I think a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not sure how it filters out there in Michigan, but a lot of people are like, Oh, Tom Cruise doesn't need any more money. And, you know, even well, everyone I talked about Tom Hanks, Kate Winslet, they aren't, they aren't starving. And that's not what this strike is about. It's it's literally about me. It's about me and my friends who are like, hey, it. I barely made my health insurance last year. And for 20 years, I've made enough money as an actor to get my health insurance because I get my health insurance through the guild. But you need to make a certain amount of money to qualify for that. And it used to be, yeah, you got enough work, you got your, your health insurance. And um, it's getting, I almost didn't get it last year, which was very scary. Um, and look, and I have plenty of people in the industry is like, we don't get health insurance either. I'm like, totally cool. I get that. But this was a career and investment I started 30 years ago. And I thought it wouldn't be that big of a deal to get my health insurance. And turns out it is. And when you're talking about health insurance, like, and you're getting older, you're like, yeah, yeah, I would like that. So we are just trying to fight to get a little more wages for that streaming residuals. We want to be respected for our time and artistry. And we just want to make sure that no one can just take that and use it at their will without compensating us, which seems fair to me. So Michigan State has a very involved alumni community. How do you stay connected with the university? And are there any ways in which you're able to support students pursuing, pursuing careers in the entertainment industry? Oh, I love that question. Uh, Los Angeles has a, a really nice alumni association. Um, they do a lot of game watches and stuff like that. And I was involved. Um, I helped create uh, a little subgroup of that that we called uh, Spartans in Hollywood. And uh, I was talking to some friends and I have people who went to the University of Michigan, Emerson, Northwestern. They have they all have the, this entertainment networking uh, groups out here in Los Angeles. I'm like, why doesn't Michigan State have one? And the alumni association said, that'd be great. Why don't you start it? So um, a few years ago, I, I, I grabbed uh, a few friends. And at the time, uh, our uh, president was an amazing woman named Amory Lasher. She was president of the Alumni Association and my friend Katie Von Till and, and a couple other folks uh, got together and helped make this uh, Spartans in Hollywood uh, a group. So it is a Facebook group. So if any, any Michigan State students are interested in moving out here and want to get connected, that's a great way. We've got uh, an amazing writer, Lori Perez, who um, 
who is very involved of, of she'll post stuff about internships and a lot of stuff going on in, in Los Angeles. She's a very active member of Spartans in Hollywood. And um, that's one way I keep in touch and give back. Uh, as I said, I was back on campus a few weeks ago and I, I love to reach out to, to some of the professors and say, Hey, can I, I love to share any of my story, if it, if it helps. Um, I currently also, besides being an actor, I teach acting classes out here. I work for a small acting studio and I teach a scene study class. So it's, it's, um, I find it very rewarding to give back and encourage people who are pursuing a dream. And so that kind of translates back to, to Michigan state kids who come out here because I always, I, some people are like, why are you going through all of this? And we, we, um, the pandemic kind of squashed a lot of, you know, the events we were able to do, but we had, we had some really cool events out here that uh, one of them we did was uh, the Oscars in July. And we had a panel discussion of um, we had an alumni who used to run 20th century Fox studios and was producer of the Oscars. We had uh, the guy who ran the company who cut together all the film clips for the Oscars. We had um, Ellen DeGeneres' brother, Vance, is married to a Spartan, and he came and talked about writing for her when she hosted the Oscars. And then we had um, an Academy Award-winning um, editor who won uh, an Oscar for editing The Hurt Locker. And so we had all these Spartans talking about their experience, and it really was a cool, cool thing to hear their journey from Michigan State to Hollywood. Um, so... Uh, we don't get to have as many of those as possible, but um, but the Facebook page still lives and there's a lot of communication of alumni there. And so I really encourage anyone who's interested to reach out to the uh, Los Angeles Spartans, I think is the LA um, Alumni Association and then Spartans in Hollywood. And I kind of help run that, at least that Facebook group and keep people informed. Uh, and um, yeah, so I, lo I love... You know, I, I, I talk to people like, I want to get into the music industry. I'm like, I cannot help you with that, but I'll encourage you to follow your dreams, you know, but I love to, to, to try to help any, any MSU student. And the reason I say that is when uh, Steve and I drove our U-Haul out here many, many years ago, there, we didn't have any connection to any alumni. Uh, the lucky thing is a whole bunch of our friends from the show and MSU Telecaster moved out within that year. So we had a tribe of, of, of Spartans out here that gave us a great buffer to get into the town. So we had friends um, and thank God for our MSU friends. Um, but we really didn't have anyone to reach out to and go, how do you do this? Or what do you do this? Or how do you do that? And at the time, the Alumni Association really didn't do much. So um, it's definitely gotten better and there's a lot more events. And so I was happy for a few years to help with that and just to connect, you know, recent grads um, and alumni and try to touch base back with the university when we can. Absolutely. So that's just about all the time we have for today. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, gosh. Um, as the great Casey Kasem once said, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. That's all I have to say. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us today. Spartan Nation will be watching for you on the big screen. Thank you. And that's it for our show. Thank you to our station manager, Delaney Rogers, general manager, Jeremy Whiting, and program director, McKenna Louds. See you next time on The Undercurrent. And as always, thank you to you, our listeners. 
If you are interested in going back and listening to our archive of stories, feel free to check out our website at impact89fm.org. And of course, if you are interested in our student stories, you can tune back in at 1030 every other Sunday, and we will see you back here. It's Claire Baccarella signing off as your host. You've been listening to The Undercurrent.